0: Donna and I'm Carrie
1: and we are Paranormal Chicks
0: episode 259 and before Donna busts let me tell y'all about the cruise yes
1: I have been waiting this is like now two weeks is it it's or not a week a it's week. a week it feels like two weeks
0: well because your girl over there had to get sick so we had to push back recording because well you know she was sick and y'all don't want her to sound like that so she's been waiting extra long
1: yes
0: we had such a good time but let me just tell you I miss my bidet
1: Oh, Lord. <laughs>
0: we got a travel one, and it's just not the same. That should be an add-on or something. Uh, right. But the toilet's flush like an airplane, so like yeah. they can't. But anyway, we had a good time. Drank too much, ate too much, all the things too much. We went out in New Orleans. We were on the Valor, in case y'all are like cruise ship buffs and you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. We went to Cozumel and Progresso. And Cozumel was definitely our favorite. We did um an excursion there we did in progresso where we went to like this kind of all-inclusive beach that had drinks and a little food and um we did snorkeling and then they had like jet skis and stuff like that you could do that was extra but the snorkeling was with it we actually paid for the little pictures that they take of you while they're doing it and when while you're snorkeling, when they come to take a picture of you, they have like crackers that they'll put out like for the fish, so that Ew. the fish come around you for yes. the picture.
1: Oh God, my worst nightmare!
0: So I was fine, and he was taking my picture, and then I don't know, he had like a little extra cracker. I don't know what happened, but like all of a sudden there was a ton of fish, and I literally like threw my snorkel. And was like, like, oh my so I God! Like, I like got up. I was like, it's too much! It's too much! It's too many! It's yes. too many! It's too many!
1: Ugh. no.
0: (laughs) Poor Colby, because like the little flipper things they give you are terrible. Like literally they were rounded down. Oh shit. And it's like the beach is really rocky to get onto it. So Colby and I both, especially Colby had very tender feet. Like he always has on shoes. Yeah. He was like, ow, you know trying to, to walk to it so like as soon as we started getting going in the water poor guy he got a cramp in his leg oh, and was like is he me oh god oh god you know it's so the, a the little guy was like are you okay he's like yeah i'm fine i just got a cramp and so the guy like help, gave him the little paddle board to hold oh, on to oh gosh but then he was fine. And he loved it. He'd never been on a cruise. He's never been out of the country. So this was like a whole thing for him. And for yeah. those who want to know, we use the internet package and I got FOMO and I bought it on the ship for like thirty dollars more than he paid. Yes, they are that ridiculous. Look, it was too many days not talking to you and Tiffany and There's a vacation TikToks and stuff. Uh-huh. I had to, it wasn't us, okay. Look, games had to be played, uh huh, TikToks had to be watched. You know, it was the whole thing. <laughs> But in Cozumel, we all got pretty drunk. While we were sitting there eating, there were some, you know, iguana's just like walking around. Yeah. And all of a sudden I looked, like this bigger iguana was kinda like circling this smaller one. And I was like, what what what's about to happen? They started fucking. Oh, shit. There's something about animals having sex. It,
1: it, it gets you.
0: It makes me physically uncomfortable. Yeah, I was like, it, stop. It's got to stop. Like, it, <laughs> a video, uh, like, animals having sex grosses me out for some reason. I know it's natural, but it grosses me out. And it yeah. makes me have secondhand embarrassment. And so I was so uncomfortable and Casey I said Casey did you see those animals fucking she was like that's my sister She was like oh my god I was wondering why this mom was like okay kids let's go this way you know
1: (laughs) I'm the weirdo that will take the video
0: yeah no I don't like it I just don't I don't know why I don't even like videos where people think it's hilarious like when their dog humps like a pillow or something it that embarrasses me and grosses me out (laughs) So while we were in Cozumel, well, my mom got drunk because she went with us, but she was like good drunk until we did tequila tasting.
1: Oh, shit.
0: And look, this tequila tasting was like itty bitty sips. So in total, it was probably like one shot, you know, but my mom doesn't do shots, right? Like she loves a margarita, loves wine, you know, but like a shot no by the by this tequila was amazing you can only get it in mexico or so they said and uh like it's like straight from the agave plant blah 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 blah. they took all of our money it's fine it's really good tequila you tell me a backstory of how it's made and it's this family tradition and they still use a donkey and all these things and the plant has to grow for 10 years before they can even cut it down and then they put it in this barrel for two more years tell me no more just take my money the tequila did my mom in and she was still like a happy funny you know it wasn't like bad but she was like we were getting out of the van taxi to go back to the ship and my brother-in-law was like somebody get trisha like make sure she yeah. got this van and she goes i'm fun it falls backwards oh van. my god. <laughs> Legitimately, oh, God. almost beat my pants laughing so hard. Like, she literally was like, i'm fun! And I oop, backwards.
1: I could just see her doing that.
0: Oh my gosh. We did get some video of runners in Progresso. You know, they call them runners when they're going to miss the ship. So they're running down oh, the port.
1: Okay, yeah. I was like, so, I didn't see that, but no, I did see that.
0: You know, if you are on a carnival excursion and that excursion goes over for some reason, like you get stuck in traffic, whatever, they'll hold the boat for you because you're on like a carnival sanctioned excursion, right? Well, um, that happened in Progresso. I'm talking like this bus was like thirty minutes late.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what excursion they were on, but literally every single person that got off that bus hugged their crew like their guide. First of all, are you all Donna's? Because that's the shit <laughs> yes, Donna would do. I totally would. Of course, would be you would become best friends with them. Yeah. So one, are you all Donna's? Or two, what in the fucking Kumbaya were y'all doing right? on that
1: excursion that y'all all <laughs> hugged. Right? They had a near death experience, apparently. And and maybe. It was like, oh God land
0: (laughs) (laughs) but while this bus is unloading i'm not joking probably seven runners now only the first set ran the rest of them were just walking taking their damn time i'm like you are 30 minutes late for like for getting on this boat so if this bus from this excursion hadn't been late you would be stuck in progresso yeah wow i just have too much anxiety for that crap oh my god me too Uh, Colby got so mad at me. Not really, but like, it was funny. Because, you know, Colby's a a golfer. Like, Colby loves golfing. On the boat, they have putt-putt. One of the at-sea days, we went up there and did putt-putt, all of us. The wind. Oh, like terrible. Sometimes you can't, like, sometimes you put your ball down and you have to hold it with your foot to be able to hit it because the wind's blowing so hard. Well, I got a hole in one once and he didn't.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs)
0: So I was like, "Are you mad that I got a hole in one and you didn't?" And he like fake pouting was like, "Yes." Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, it was one that was literally a straight shot. It just had like a couple little hills you had to go over. I'm gonna say it was probably the wind because I suck at that kind of shit. But I did get a hole in one. Oh, I suck at putt putt. Me too.
1: I fucking suck. Okay, I can't hit a ball. I can suck. Okay, that's where I
0: I was about (laughs) to say something. You beat me to it. I can lick them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All in all, we had a good time though. All in all, you had a ball. Literally. <laughs> the casino took all our fucking money. You know how I was so excited about going to the casino? Yeah. Took all my fucking money. What kind of games did y'all play? Colby says I play the old stuff, but I don't. I played He the,
1: plays the old stuff. Yes.
0: I played those fireball ones that come down. I played that drums one that we uh-huh. like. And Not I played new and I played the new Wolf Run. Like I was like, those are all literally the reason they took my money is because they are all new. Yeah. But he tells me I lose money faster than anybody he's ever seen oh well
1: that's me you and tiffany
0: and they had those machines like you see in like arcades where you put the coins in like the tokens in and uh-huh. it'll give you more tokens well they had those for quarters Uh huh. and we did this machine and did this machine and did this machine we got up and then the next guy that sat down i was like motherfucker i totally have done that machine too I love that.
1: They also have people on TikTok who do that, and really? I watched them. Maybe I should have watched that and learned how to do it. <laughs> it gives me anxiety though, because it's like teetering on the edge. Mm-hmm. And
0: shit. Yeah, I'm like uh-huh. the the thing has to either be magnetized. It's not because I don't think coins like that are, ma- but you know what I mean, yeah. like something like that, or like the shelf is actually longer right there. Yeah. There's no way that that's holding up. Like there's some kind of mechanism in that machine keeping those things yeah. from falling. Like there's no way. <laughs> well,
1: we're glad you're back. But I'm really glad about something else.
0: Patreoners! That's right! We may have spent a week apart, but we didn't lose our mojo. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tess F. from Florida. Lisa G. from
1: Pennsylvania.
0: Anthony Z. from Arizona. Heather D. from Georgia. Addie B. from Maryland. Or do you mean Addie
1: B. from MD? I'm just saying. Laura S. from California. Jessica G. from Missouri. And Ashley H. from Florida.
0: Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon and supporting us. If you want an extra episode a week, plus a live, plus a thank you letter with stickers and all the things, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast.
1: Also, you get certain discounts off of merch depending on the tier that you're in. And we are always open for your ideas on new merch, slogans, all the things.
0: Well, before we get into my story, we got to talk about base because they are back. And uh, my base bag was the base component for my traveling.
1: Well, how did it hold up?
0: Swimmingly. Ooh, I like that. So base was created by, you know, Shay Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars. Love her. But it's sleek, affordable bags, luggage, accessories to help you travel more effortlessly. And, you know, still look good. And that's exactly what these bags are. So I have a Weekender bag. It's gray. Love it. It's got... compartment at the bottom so you can hold shoes or makeup or like I would put straightening iron stuff like that in there and then the actual top of the bag is very roomy like it's perfect for just like a carry-on.
1: Yeah. And it opens wide. Mm -hmm.
0: And let me tell you, Colby and I need to go in and get um, some of the actual luggage from there because they have the 360 gliding wheels. And the luggage luggage that we took on this cruise is luggage that I got my senior year of high school. So it's the tilt and roll kind. Uh And I said, I was like, we really need new luggage. When we were having to do the tilt and roll, he was like, We really need new luggage. I was like, yeah, (laughs) this is really bad. So I was like, we need to go get some base, like actual luggage. Yeah,
1: because you know it's got to be top notch because their weekender bag is amazing.
0: Right. And the pieces of luggage, in addition to that, 360 degree gliding wheels. They have cushion handles, built in weight indicators, washable bags for your dirty clothes and all kinds of pockets to keep, you know, you know, I'm an overpacker, so Uh I need the pockets. We love luggage with all the nooks
1: and crannies in it Mm -hmm. because we will fill them. Every single one of them. If you're looking for luggage or a weekender bag, seriously, base is amazing. It's functional. It's really cute and like not even cute, sleek. I feel like a proper adult having it like, yeah. Because before this, I had a different weekender bag, but it had no form to it. It was just like all collapsible. This one,
0: it's sturdy. Mm Mm-hmm. So with over 30,000 five-star reviews, you need to head over there really quickly before it all gets taken up. Go to, <laughs> to basetravel.com slash creep, and you're going to get 15% off your first purchase. That's basetravel.com slash creep. B-E-I-S travel.com slash creep. Don't forget, base is spelled B-E-I-S. So go to basetravel.com slash creep for 15% off your first purchase.
1: Also, before Carrie gets into her story, um, if you hear heavy breathing, it's still me. I'm still
0: sick, but not like I was. Yeah, she doesn't sound like she's uh, got death knocking on her door. Yeah, I was like the
1: crypt keeper. But just giving y'all a heads up because, you know, I will heavy
0: breathe. Because I can't breathe out of my nose. Okay, picture it. It's December 15th, 1994. Around 9 p.m., police get a call. It's hard for the dispatcher to understand the caller. This isn't the weepy voice killer again. No, not even close. So police come to where the call originated from. They find William McLaughlin, who went by Bill, so I'm going to call him Bill throughout the rest of the time, on his kitchen floor dead from multiple gunshot wounds. The person who had called 911 was Bill's son who had a traumatic brain injury from being in a car accident involving a drunk driver. So that's why they were having a hard time understanding him. Oh gosh. Because of his disability. Now Bill lived in a very affluent area in Newport Beach in California. Now in the house there was no evidence of a struggle. It was essentially an execution. There was nothing missing. There was no dishevelment in the house. All that happened was Bill was murdered. Now, of course, what do you do when somebody's murdered? You got to get to know the victim. So who was Bill? Bill was an entrepreneur who had made millions. He literally was the American dream. He grew up low-income went to college, like the first in his family to graduate from college, the first in his family to start a business, that whole thing, and had literally made millions on his own. Bill was only 55 years old.
1: Oh, God, that's young.
0: He had three kids. He had a son who I told you was disabled from a car accident involving a drunk driver that Bill took care of, and he had two daughters, and all of them were older and on their own. Bill had a girlfriend. Her name was Nanette Johnston. She was significantly younger than him, like his daughter's age, like like in her 30s. But they had the type of relationship that I think, especially when you were in your 20s, you looked for Donna because, you know, she was younger. He was a mentor to her. She had a business degree, and she was trying to make something of herself, and he was that mentor for her. She had two kids that lived with them part-time and their father part-time. Now, word on the street, because, okay, Newport, where they lived, is part of Orange County. What's Orange County known for? Housewives. I mean, for us, yes. That would have been my answer. So, word on the street is that Nanette was actually offered a part on Real Housewives, and she turned it down. So, she lived a life of luxury. Yeah. You know, it seemed like she had her own thing, but Bill provided that for her. And after Bill's murder, literally everyone is looked at by police. They even looked at his son who had a traumatic brain injury, but they literally have to look at everyone and they're like, yeah, this sucks and this can hurt people's feelings, but we have to look at everybody. Right. So they looked at his son and he had no gunshot residue on his hands because like I said, Bill had been shot. So he of course was quickly cleared of any wrongdoing. And with Bill being so wealthy, you have to look at who has the most to gain financially from his death. Now, when you look at the crime scene, like I said, there was nothing disheveled. There was a sticky note from Nanette that she was going to be late that night because she had to take her kids to soccer games. But what they did find were keys. There was a key left in the door and there was a key dropped by the door. Now, the key to the door obviously unlocked the door, but the key that was dropped or thrown down or whatever was a key to the pedestrian gate for Bill's community. So whoever had done this had to be someone close to him that would have these keys or close to someone that would have these keys. So that definitely narrowed down the pool of suspects because they didn't know if this was something random. Did somebody get the wrong person? You know, they didn't have a clue. But that definitely narrows things down in that someone that has to have had access to these keys. And help, police even looked at Bill's ex wife, and she lived in Hawaii. You know, they really were looking at everyone. So, shortly after Bill's death, Nanette moved into one of Bill's houses at the beach because, again, multimillionaire. Yeah. He had multiple houses.
1: Golly, that life.
0: And, like, there's so much money in this story that my brain doesn't even process.
1: Yeah, I can't fathom.
0: So, she moves into the beach house, and all of the kids actually move back into bill's house to try to kind of make sense of this be there for each other go yeah. through this together as police are digging into the relationships that bill had to figure out who could possibly have wanted him dead everybody and everything pointed to bill's business partner his name was Hal official how official is that yeah, what thought? yes yeah.
1: god why do you know me so well
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay oh Hal and bill had been in this like lawsuit for years Bill's money came from an invention and it's this like medical device that basically like spins the blood out to separate the blood from the plasma. Oh, okay. Like still used to this day. He invented that? Yeah, like worldwide, all the things. Oh shit. Which I don't understand why he didn't have more money than he had. Of course this was in the nineties, and so how yeah. how long had it been invented? So there's no telling what his worth is now. Like his right. trust or whatever. Yeah. Because this is literally still in use.
1: I was going to say, like, that's... Um, What's it called?
0: uh, He didn't... Like, a centrifuge, I think. But he didn't, like, create that one. He created this this machine that separated blood and plasma. (laughs) And plasma can be used for everything. Like, it's what's used in my infusions that I get for my immune system. I think it's even used in some makeups and stuff. Like it's plasma is used for tons of shit. Yeah. It's not like every single lab is using this one thing to spin down all their blood. I really thought it
1: was the one that like in all the labs. They
0: I mean, and it may be in all all these labs, but it's not like I don't think it's what you're thinking. Okay. I mean, but what the fuck do I know? I don't know what it's called. The spinner downer. <laughs> so basically, how was In with Bill in the beginning? But Hal left the company. And after he left is when shit got big. So Hal was like, um, I need more money for my part and sued Bill.
1: That's not even right. If they had like an agreement when he left. Right. And had like a severance package, whatever, all the things. Like you can't come back and be like, oh, now that you actually made it big, I need more money.
0: So just a couple weeks before Bill was murdered, the court had actually decided in Bill's favor and he was going to get this $9 million that he and Hal had been fighting over for years. It could kind of be a revenge thing because Bill had been awarded the money, but the keys. Hal didn't have access to those keys. Okay, maybe could he have gotten some keys from somebody for the walkthrough gate, but the house key? He didn't have that. Yeah. I'm sure there's some more police mumbo jumbo stuff we don't know about. But they ruled Hal out. So the police really start digging into the relationships among his inner circle. And police quickly found out that Nanette was having an affair. Oh gosh. So insert Eric Naposki. Oh, he got inserted. So this is who Nanette was having an affair with. Eric was, we're going to say, retired NFL player. Basically, he had a shit ton of injuries and nobody wanted him. So, he played for the Patriots and he says he retired from the Seattle Seahawks, but I don't... He ain't retired.
1: We know how Curry feels about him.
0: <laughs> so, after he left Seattle, he moved down to Orange County because, you know, young, broke, handsome, looking for a sugar mama.
1: Why does he have to be broke? He was? Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. Well, how he broke? He's the next football player.
0: Regular Joes in the NFL don't make shit. Oh. Like, well, I mean, I'm talking like $100,000 a year, which is a shit That's ton of money. That's shit. That's a shit ton of money. But they're... Everybody in the NFL doesn't make what the quarterbacks make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They because you also have to remember in the NFLs, each team has a cap of how much they can spend. So the people who are on like the practice squads make money, like sixty grand a year. I don't I don't know how much. But they're not making this exorbitant amount yeah. of money.
1: Okay. So handsome broke
0: moved to Orange County. I really feel like he moved down there looking for a sugar mama.
1: Well, it fits
0: because Nanette used him as a sugar daddy. Oh, absolutely. So Eric worked at a gym. That's where he met Nanette. And of course, he's all like, I thought she was a snob at first. Like he specifically mentioned like her sunglasses and watch, which means he noticed those things and was like, um, how you doing? Right. But the two worked out together and quickly became friends. And that quickly became more. Now, as far as Eric knew, allegedly, he thought Bill was Nanette's boss. He didn't know that they lived together, that they had been in a relationship for years. He thought she was single and he thought she is the one that had money because every time they went out, she paid for everything. She had a nice car. Every time they met up at her house, it was at the beach house, never okay. at their main house. Okay.
1: I was like, how does he not know she lives with him because it's... Okay, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, see, rich people have multiple houses yeah. <laughs> to, you know, fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nanette had told Eric, just like she had told Bill, she had the business degree and all of that. She told Eric that basically hers and Bill's relationship was more of a mentor-mentee type thing because she had invented a piece of a medical equipment and he helped her, like, get the business off the ground. Wow. So, of course, the police are going to interview Eric, and that's how they find all this information out about what he knew about Bill, what Nanette had told him, yada, yada, yada. So, they ask him, okay, where were you the night that he was murdered? Remember, Nanette had the post-it note that said she was going to be late coming home because kids had a soccer game. Well, Nanette took him with her to the soccer games. Eric. What? So, I'm like, so your kids knew? That's fucking bold.
1: I was going to say, the
0: audacity. So Eric says he went with Nanette to the soccer games. She dropped him off back at home and he got dressed and went to work later. He worked as a bouncer at a club. Apparently, this club was not very far from Bill's house. So while they're interviewing Eric, police ask him, like, do you own any guns? They have to really pry it out of him. At first, he says he has a thirty-eight, and he's like, oh, I gave it to my dad. I bought it in Dallas or somewhere in Texas. They keep having to fish it out of him. Oh, he did buy this other gun. And then they're like, okay, is there going to be any other guns registered to you? And he was like, oh, yeah, I did buy a 9 millimeter." And it was like, when they mentioned, do you have another gun registered to you? He's like, oh, shit, yeah, I probably should tell him about this 9 millimeter. That's the same type of gun that was used to kill Bill. But even through this interview with police not really being able to get the information about what guns he has and all that, there's nothing specifically linking him to this other than maybe some, like, circumstantial evidence. But there's nothing. So, of course, they let him go.
1: Were they able to get, like, tapes from the club that he was a bouncer at?
0: I don't know. There's a lot of details about this case that I'm like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about that? And I I don't know. I haven't found that anywhere.
1: Yeah. Well, if it's close to a high-end location they were probably the ones that are like our customers love privacy right
0: while all this is happening remember bill's daughters moved back at home and so they're just kind of getting all of his affairs in order i mean he had a lot of money had multiple houses had all this stuff i know how much there was that went into when my dad died and we had to get his cell phone turned off his him off the insurance him you know all that and it was like that took, you need a full time job after someone dies to just organize their end of life stuff. So I can't imagine someone that was a multimillionaire with companies and trusts and wills and all that. Like, I can't even imagine. No. So the daughters start to look into his financials because they're trying to get everything organized. And they realize that there was some stuff missing, like some of. Bill's bank statements, check registries, stuff like that. Because you got to remember, this is in the 90s. He's going to have printouts of all this shit. He's going to actually use his check registries. Like, it's like 1995. So when the daughters would notice stuff was missing, they would call Nanette because Nanette lived there before she moved into the beach house after he died. Like, where's this shit? Sometimes she would answer, sometimes she wouldn't. It was like Nanette kind of disappeared. When Bill died, Nanette was... Part of the trust. Like, again, this is too rich for my blood. I don't actually understand it, but there was a trust and the daughters and Annette were on it. But what Nanette was given in the will was $150,000 cash, a million dollar life insurance policy, and her ability to use that beach house for a year before she had to like move on because he kind of wanted to, I think, set her up with her kids in case something happened to him. Because could you imagine being like, oh, he's dead, get out of the house, but then where do you go with your kids, you know? Which, I mean, they could have lived with their dad, but you get the point. But even when you look at what Nanette got out of his death, it's still not as much as she was getting with him living. Right. Because he was paying for everything. Cars, clothes, plastic surgeries, like literally everything for her. It was a big cut in her lifestyle when he died. So, the daughters were like, it couldn't be Nanette. Like, She literally is worse off financially with him dead than with him alive.
1: Yeah, but she might not have known that.
0: So as the daughters are getting the books together, they're looking at everything, and they find a check from one of Bill's business accounts, which that right there is a sentence that you'll never hear me say. (laughs) One of my business accounts? Okay. And you'll definitely never hear me say this. But there was a check for $250,000 that had been written out to... Nanette Johnson Trust or something like that. Wow. But the more that Bill's daughters looked at this check, they realized that it wasn't signed by Bill. So they, of course, take it to police. And police are like, ooh, this is sketch. So they get the daughters. Well, one daughter, I think Jenny was her name or is her name. Why
1: do you have to say it like Forrest Gump? (laughs)
0: how do you know that you've never seen the movie
1: i've seen bits and pieces okay
0: so they get jenny to call nanette to be like "The fuck and on the call nanette's like yeah he would get me to sign stuff for him all the time like i've done this many times the daughter's like that's interesting never let us do that for him before you know nanette was like but i didn't do that check uh what okay so the police are looking more into nanette's background So police found Tom. Tom was the pre-Bill Bill, basically. Tom was the boyfriend that Nanette had before she had Bill. They had met at a nightclub. And within six weeks, Nanette had Tom convinced to put her up in this brand new townhouse. And Tom's like, she was smart. She was funny. She was very, seemed very independent. All the things. She had the two young kids. Meanwhile, though, he's basically providing everything for her six weeks in. But okay. Things ended when Tom found out that she had an ad and it was for herself. Basically it said, young woman in search of wealthy man, you take care of me, I'll take care of you.
1: While she's living in his townhouse that he rented for her?
0: Yeah. Oh, don't double dip, girl. So she was like, always, it seemed to be looking for the next richer person. Of course, Nanette, when she was confronted, was like, that's not me. But it wasn't long after that that she moved out and in with Bill.
1: Oh, did Bill answer her ad?
0: Well, I don't know. Because one article I found said that Bill had an ad. It's 1995. You know, in in the penny saver, like, man looking for, you know, (laughs) single white male looking for blah, 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 blah. You know, before age sex location was a thing, you put it in the (laughs) newspaper. Yeah. I don't know if he responded to her ad or she responded to his ad. But basically, Tom was like, yeah, pretty sure she was cheating on me with Bill and pretty sure she was cheating on Bill with Eric. Like, you know, she's always wanting more. Yeah. And that's basically what she did. Because after Bill died, she remarried like a real estate mogul. That was more wealthy than Bill, had a kid with him, divorced him, got married again, and with that next guy, had a prenup that he couldn't touch any of her money from the previous divorce because she was getting $17,000 a month in child support. Holy shit. That's like what some people make a year. Yeah. So you can see that this story went on for a while. I mean, you know.
1: I was going to say, she's had a whole different life. So, was what she happened? Not the person? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, police really believed that Nanette and Eric were the ones who killed him, and they took it to the district attorney a couple of times, and they're like, "You don't have enough. Keep going." Life moved on. Years went on, and Bill's son eventually passed away himself. He died from a drowning accident. Oh my gosh. And so it just left the daughters who were the ones trying to figure this out, trying to figure out life without their dad, without their brother, and not knowing who had murdered their dad.
1: But here's the thing, if it was Eric and Nanette, like Nanette obviously promised him something out of that, like, kill him and we could be together and we'll share his money and all that. So if I were Eric and I did kill him or whatever, how do you do something like that? Because you can't go to the police and be like, well, she talked me into killing this man, but then she didn't pay me. Right. You know what I mean? Right.
0: You know, here's the thing, too. Within all of that, Nanette did go to prison for a year for fraud. What? And I never really found a lot, but I'm pretty sure like it's for the stuff with... The checks? Yes, because like the closer that it got to Bill's murder, the more she stole. There was one month where she stole tens of thousands of dollars and... Before that, that, you know, let's say that happened in October. The whole year before that, that was the whole sum that she yeah. stole. And it was like, the closer it got time to the murder, she started stealing more and more. So they were like, did she not want Bill to find out that she'd been taking the money? Or, you know, did she know the murder was coming? Right. And so she was like...
1: Being like a squirrel packing it away. Yes.
0: So a new prosecutor came into the mix. Matt Murphy is his name. So he was really into looking at cold cases and getting them solved. So he started doing some digging. New pieces of the puzzle started coming together. Basically all circumstantial. But there was a real estate agent that was like, yeah, I had taken Nanette and Eric to look at some new houses that were pretty fucking expensive. Not something those two would have been able to afford on their own. Yeah, And they kept telling the real estate agent that they were about to come into money. Oh, shit. And then there was an investor that Nanette called to like set up some investments and was like saying that she was about to come into a good amount of money. And then there was a woman named Suzanne. Now, Suzanne lived in the same apartment complex as Eric. They would go to the pool together, like hang out, like they were just friends and they would talk a lot. And she said that one time Eric told her that he was super upset because he had just found out that Nanette's boss, a.k.a. Bill, because he thought Bill was like Mm -hmm. her mentor, boss, whatever, had raped her. What? That was a story that Nanette had spun to him Uh to get him up in arms to guide him to murder. Gosh. Then Eric also told Suzanne, if the police come to ask you about me, tell them I'm a nice guy. And she basically was like, please, I don't want to know. If you did this or or didn't. Yeah. And he was like, smiled. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Oh, Lord. Okay. First of all, if I said to you, I don't even want to know if you did this murder and you didn't do this murder, you'd be like, I didn't
1: fucking do that. Right. You would yeah. go up eight
0: octaves and be like, I did not do that.
1: 100%.
0: But he's like, <laughs>
1: right. Also, if the police come asking, tell them I'm a nice
0: guy. What? <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? If you have to say you're a nice guy, you're not a nice guy. Exactly. Well, 14 years after Bill was murdered, they charged Nanette and Eric with the murder. But before we tell you any more about this case, we have to talk about Babel because they're back. And, you know, your girls like to babble. I always think back when I took Spanish in high school. Literally, all I remember about Spanish class was that we had to pick a name to go by. And you had to do that when you took Latin, too, right? Yep. Is that all you remember about your class? No. Oh.
1: But I'll tell you what I don't remember. How to speak it.
0: Spanish, Italian, or
1: Latin. All the ones I've taken... The classroom is not the environment for me.
0: Well, that's what's so great about Babbel though, because there are so many different ways to learn a language because Babbel has 15 minute lessons that are perfect for on the go, but also the sessions are short enough and designed to where, where you can really learn a new language.
1: They're short, but they're effective.
0: Well, and like you said, the classroom setting's not for you. So with Babbel, they've got podcasts, games, videos, stories. But if the classroom is for you, they do offer live classes.
1: With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages. That's more fingers than I have. That's a lot to choose from. And Babbel doesn't use AI for their lesson plans. Their lessons were created with over 100 language experts. So it's like the real deal, not just a computer.
0: And the teaching methods used by Babbel have been scientifically proven to be effective. But what Babbel does have is speech recognition technology that helps you with your pronunciation and your accent. When you already have such a strong accent... That is the most important because that's what makes me so insecure about trying to speak another language is because my natural accent is so thick. Everything about you thick, girl true, except for my lips. <laughs> but that's what makes it so hard because I'm like, oh, I don't want to sound dumb or I don't want to sound wrong. I don't want to say anything offensive or anything like that. Yeah. But with Babel's speech recognition technology and it helping your accent and your pronunciation, you feel more confident.
1: Also, you can feel confident in purchasing Babel because it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Anytime something comes with a money-back guarantee, I'm like, they believe in their product. They're standing behind it, and that makes me trust them way more.
0: And I'm going to be willing to try it out. So to start your language learning journey today, go to babble.com slash creep to get up to 55% off your subscription.
1: That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep for up to 55% off
0: your subscription. Babbel is a language for life. So get your little ticky ticks out and go to babbel.com creep for up to 55% off your subscription. So back to these two knuckleheads. So when police went to arrest them, Eric had moved to Connecticut. He had a girlfriend and a kid and he had moved on with his life just like Nanette had. Because when she got out of jail or prison or whatever... For that year, he waited on her, but she was like, boy, bye. And that's when she like moved on and married those other people.
1: So it was not love after lockup for her.
0: For sure not. Long story short, though, the two ended up going to trial. And of course, there were fingers being pointed at fingers. Like insert the uh, Spider-Man meme where they're, all the Spider-Men are pointing fingers at each other. Don't know it. What?
1: I literally thought you were going to say insert the limp biscuit It's all about the he said, she said
0: bullshit. So basically, Eric said, I didn't do this. Nanette did. And Nanette said, I didn't do this. Eric did.
1: But also, here's the thing. If you knew this, why didn't you come forward? Right. Because y'all both guilty. Guilty.
0: Eric's defense was that he couldn't have done it because just 18 minutes before the murder, he had used a payphone at a Denny's that's not even in Newport Beach to call someone. But then they, they didn't have the phone records to back it up. But I'm like, I thought she took him to work.
1: Uh-huh. I was like, uh, where's the bouncer at in this? Right.
0: Another thing I don't understand is I don't know what happened to the gun. I've never saw anything of, where's the gun? It's really just kind of pure speculation that we know that Eric had bought the 9 millimeter, but we don't know for sure if that's the 9 millimeter that fired the bullets. Now, Nanette's attorney was like, literally called her a slut in open court. Well, because he was like, you can hate her. She was a thief. She wants money. She, you know, was a slut. Like, she did all of this for money, but that, you can hate her if you want to, but that doesn't make her a killer, So, you know, that was kind of his tactic of, Uh because, you know, it's true if the jury doesn't like a defendant, they'll be more likely to convict them. And so he was like, hate her if you want to, but also don't convict her for murder just because you don't like her. Right. Or you don't like her lifestyle or her decisions. Yeah. And neither trial did it work. Both of them were found guilty. Once Eric was found guilty, though, he changed his story again. He was like, okay, okay. Actually, Nanette came to me and asked me to kill him. I said I wouldn't, but I set her up with a hitman. But then I gave them my gun for it. And then they like planned it without me. So I actually didn't do anything. And of course, everybody was like, that's total bullshit. First of all, you've lied every single chance you've gotten. Your story's changed. Now this is what, the third time. And also, I love how one of the attorneys was like, in the history of hitmen, when do they ever go, cool, yeah, I'll take that job. But oh, uh, I need your gun. Right. Doesn't happen.
1: Unless they're going to set you up for it. True. But also, they wouldn't have dropped a
0: key. Exactly. I'm glad you said that about the key. Because, I, you know me, I forgot already. That's something that I never understood to either. Is like It was like they knew that it was a new copy of a key for one of them. I'm like, but why couldn't you figure out where... Like, you can't get some surveillance footage. Right. And maybe it's because it's 1995 and, and everywhere didn't have surveillance footage. But... I don't know. When they went to the sentencing phase, of course, you know, they have the victim impact statements. During the victim impact statements in Nanette's trial, she kind of hid behind her attorney because there was a lot of news footage and stuff covering this. I mean, it was a love triangle with money, sex, murder. Like, it's all the things in fucking ritzy Orange County, right? So, this was like older man, younger wife, ex-NFL player, boyfriend, like, you know, it made headlines. She was like hiding behind her attorney during that. Eric, being the coward that he is, would not even come in the courtroom for the victim impact statements.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: No. What a douche canoe.
1: I can't believe they didn't make him come in.
0: Right? So Eric received the maximum life in prison without parole. And Nanette also got life in prison without the possibility of parole. The two of them maintained their innocence, which, okay... I mean, I, I firmly believe that they did it. It took the jurors like three hours to deliberate. So I feel like, you know, sometimes when you have those cases that feel only circumstantial, sometimes it takes the jury's a long time to deliberate. But I feel like in this case, even though it was all circumstantial, the jury felt like they had enough that they didn't need to. And so yeah. even though there were things where I was like, yeah, but okay, where's the gun? Where's surveillance footage? You don't always have that in a case. And it seems like the jury felt like they had enough. Juries expect physical evidence now. They expect DNA and ballistics and all of that. And so to convict like that 15 years later, I felt like they had something. right? And, you know, it seemed like Bill was just such a giving man, like, He really instilled in his kids to give back to the community. And after he died, they did so much with like providing medical equipment for people in need. And just really, because he grew up low income, he really gave back and really instilled that into his kids. And he seemed like one of the good ones, you know. Yeah,
1: I really hate that Nanette lied to Eric. I mean, I think he would have killed Bill anyway. Because, I mean, if you're going to kill someone, you're going to kill someone. But I hate that she lied about the rape. Yeah. That makes me just
0: so mad. Well, she lied about everything, too, because she lied to Bill and Eric. Like, she never had a business degree, all that. Like, oh, everything- she never no, had that? everything okay. was a lie. Everything was her trying to get more and more and more. And she did whatever she could to get that.
1: Wow. So she's a legit con artist. Mm-hmm. Well, my case, it goes to trial too. So we are just all going to court today. But today I'm using a recommendation. It's from Adele in the Facebook group. She tagged me and told me to do this story. And then Stephanie commented and was like, yes, please cover this story. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, you have to keep in mind that this takes place in 1982 to 1983. And I say that because it's really just right out of the Salem Witch Trials. But in the 80s. So like I said, 1982, and a young 20-year-old woman named Carol Compton lived in Scotland. She met the man of her dreams, an Italian beefcake who was (laughs) in Scotland, but soon had to return to Italy to complete his military service or something. His name was Marco Vichelano. Marco and Carol fell madly in love, and it was like that whirlwind romance, so much so that when he went back to Italy, the idea of being so far away from him forced Carol to make the decision to follow him back to his home country of Italy. They got engaged and everything was lovely. However, it wouldn't stay lovely for too long. Since Marco was in the military, he had to stay at the base. So Carol pretty much had to find a job in housing for herself. So there was Carol, this shy Scottish woman living in Rome and kind of on her own for the first time. She found a position as a live-in nanny for a wealthy family. The Ricci family lived in one of the most she neighborhoods, so Carol was like, hell yeah, here's job and housing in one. And things were fine for only a few days before something went wrong. Carol was walking in the hall and one of the family's religious paintings fell off the wall. And I mean, it would be a big deal because you don't want to break anything in a rich person's house because, you know, it's like hell of expensive, one of a kind, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. But this was an even bigger deal because one of the maids in the house saw this happen. And she was a devout Catholic and swore that there was something evil living inside Carol because her mere presence caused the painting to leap off the wall. The maid had already told the Ricci family that she thought something was off about Carol and now this just confirmed it. But this was all behind Carol's back, so she had no clue what was brewing. The Ricci's were like, okay, we have two options. We can fire Carol now or keep her on while we go on our vacay that's planned and like just a few days away and then fire her when we get back. And they decided it would be more of a headache to have to find a new nanny before going on their vacation. So they kept Carol on and brought her along with them, none the wiser to their suspicions. So like I mentioned, the vacation was only days after that painting fell. So it's still fresh in the Ricci's mind when they were vacationing at their home in the Italian Alps. Their suspicion about Carol was set ablaze, literally, when in the course of their stay, three fires broke out in their vacation home. Damn. They instantly cast blame on Carol and agreed that there was something evil about her and that she could not be around their family. Like, the first fire was kind of small, but still nothing to forget. Like, oh, okay, there was a fire. But then there was another one that started in the bedroom of their two-year-old son, Emmanuel. And then another one that actually destroyed the entire second story of the vacation home and damaged the first floor as well. When the fires were investigated, it was found to more likely be due to faulty wiring of the home you know, some sort of electrical issue. But the Ricci family was like, nope, not believing that at all. It was Carol. So they called the nanny agency and had Carol removed from their home. So Carol was like, what the fuck do I do? That was my job and my housing. But luckily, the agency was able to place her with another family pretty quickly. Now, I found two different names for this family, the Tonti family and the Sacchini family. They, of course, were wealthy too because, duh, they hired a live-in nanny. Mm-hmm. Like, who else could afford that? They lived at the family's estate on the island of Elba. Things seemed to be going well. Carol really settled in with the family. However, strange things started to happen soon after she entered the house. Again, there was religious decor that seemed to react to Carol's presence, like several religious statues that had mysteriously broken all throughout the home. Strange, scratching noises were heard on the walls. Even Carol had alerted the family to her hearing them, too. Objects would go missing or be moved seemingly by themselves. Like when Carol woke up from a crashing sound and saw a silver cake stand on the floor and then a blue glass vase fell on the floor, broke into tiny little pieces, and no one was close to this vase or cake stand when they fell. So like I mentioned, everyone had been getting along with Carol besides one person, and that's the grandmother. So like the family lived in the family's estate with the grandparents. And can't you just picture, like, a wealthy matriarch scowling at Carol every time she entered the room and shit, you know, just mm-hmm. like, ugh. That's kind of how it was. And when shit like this began to happen, the grandmother started whispering, Strega, which means witch. <laughs> Didn't mean that, but it translates to witch. <laughs> witch witch? Good sandwich. Good sandwich. <laughs> And she would say this under her breath, and the rest of the family dismissed the grandmother's concerns because they all liked Carol. Well, there was a small fire that happened in the grandparents' room that the grandmother adamantly accused Carol of causing, but again, no one paid her any attention. But old granny, she was pretty much doing the I told you so dance when another fire broke out. This happened on the cot that the family's three-year-old daughter, Agnes was sleeping near. So, like, Carol had put Agnes down for a nap and pushed the cot up next to the bed so she didn't fall off. Something like that. I don't know what childproofing is, but it sounded like what she was <laughs> doing. Luckily, the child wasn't harmed and the fire was put out before it caused too much damage to the room. It said that Carol just stood there in the corridor and like didn't try to help. It was like she was entranced by the fire and stuff. But thankfully, the grandfather ran in, threw the mattress out the window, and saved Agnes. But that was the last straw for the family. And with a lot of pressure from the grandmother, the family called the police. So the police got there, checked the scene, and they were like, the wiring seemed fine. I don't know what could have caused this fire. But the grandmother blamed Carol, and Carol's like, I didn't do this. I don't know what's going on. But the police arrested Carol on suspicion of arson and attempted murder of Agnes. Oh, my God. Carol didn't speak great Italian and wasn't familiar with the laws either. And that reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Broke Down Palace. I mean, different locations, but, like, that's what it reminded me of. Also, it could remind you of Amanda Knox, but apparently I went straight to Broke Down Palace. Anyway, Carol was able to send a telegram to her mom, letting her know that she was in jail, and she asked her mom to call and inform Marco, her fiancé, about this whole ordeal. Well, if her life wasn't in complete shambles by, you know, being accused of these crimes, being a witch, all the things, Marco and his family turned their backs on her and didn't want anything to do with her anymore. You know, they were not engaged. I don't know her. That's how they were. So now she's heartbroken and alone and, you know, accused of attempted murder of a child. Well, the news of Carol's arrest and the suspicions around her being a witch threw the media into a tailspin. You know, they love sensational headlines because, hello, we all do, because I definitely read the headlines on the little gossip mags Mm -hmm. when I'm checking out at, like, Walgreens. I gotta know what they say, because those one-line headlines are the best. Anyway, the grandmother had spoken to the press about Carol and how she felt that she had put the evil eye on her grandchildren and that she was into witchcraft, all the shit. And once that was said, the news ran with it. The Italian news called Carol the nanny witch. The British news had like headlines that they would say the girl they call a witch. But everything had the word witch in it and everyone was up in arms about this. So Carol's in jail, awaiting trial, and not really even knowing what's going on. Her lawyer and her didn't even have great communication due to language barriers. Now, the police had questioned Carol a lot, and every time she pleaded with them about her being innocent, she said she wasn't even in the house when the fire started in the grandparents' room that day. But there was no one there to corroborate her story, and everyone just pointed fingers at her. However, no one in the house could positively say that Carol was there when both fires started. It was just, again, a big they said she said thing. But the police brought up the fact that Carol was with the Ricci family and fires happened there too. So she was like the linchpin in that. Like, you know, what did these two families have in common besides being obscenely wealthy? Uh you as a nanny. So of course that meant it had to be her. Carol really had no one in her corner besides her family back in Scotland, and they tried to raise money for better legal representation, but I don't know if they were successful or not. There was one guy who heard about Carol from the news and he was like, oh shit, I can help this girl out. His name is Guy Leon Playfair, who was a parapsychologist famous for the Enfield Poltergeist case Which I believe I've covered, but you know, there's been a lot of episodes and I have lost track. And you know, I don't remember shit, so. (laughs) But anyway, he was like, okay, I can help her out by letting them know that it might be something paranormal, supernatural going on, but it's not because Carol's a witch. It's because of pyrokinesis or telekinesis that she could start fires with her mind. And even if she didn't mean to start them, it was just like an emotional response to something. And all that poltergeist-like activity was created by her and her stress. Carol was thankful for his help, but refused it. She didn't want to admit to any paranormal-type activity or having any kind of abilities Because she didn't really believe that herself and she thought that would just still brand her a witch. While awaiting trial, Carol had to undergo some psychiatric tests and stuff and she couldn't have the trial date set until that was completed and oh yeah, that took 16 months. Jeez. So 16 months she sat in jail before her trial was even set. And seriously, all I could think about was Broke Down Palace, because apparently that movie stuck with me more than Amanda Knox's
0: case. It's same, actually. It really, And probably too, because it came out before it.
1: Yeah. But
0: yes, absolutely. That movie, like... Fear unlocked in that movie. Big time.
1: But Carol really was alone, and everyone was calling her a witch, accusing her of trying to kill a child. I mean, it was just terrible. She felt so isolated.
0: And it's not just a fire. It's a fire, like, and with a child hurt. Yeah. And then if you think about it, two children were attacked. Yeah.
1: But there was nothing that she could do because there wasn't any proof that she could provide that she didn't do it. Her trial finally began. But get this, because of where they were in Italy, a lot of the people were very superstitious, you know, and they really believed in this whole witch aspect of Carol. They were so scared of her powers and they couldn't trust her to not use their powers and curse them and all the things. They all brought their own crucifixes and, you know, said all the prayers all the time. But also Carol was confined to an iron cage.
0: So like a portable jail cell in the courtroom. Okay. Meanwhile, nowadays here, you can't even have a defendant in a jumpsuit from prison. Right. They have to be able to be in street clothes so that they don't look guilty. Meanwhile, she's freaking the man in the iron mask over there. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. And also I want to be like, does iron do anything to witch powers?
0: You know, I feel like not. It does seem very specific. And I'm also like, okay, you automatically assume it's like devil because you're like with your crucifixes and stuff, you know? Yeah.
1: But just when court was supposed to start, this lady came and burst through the doors. She was known as a faith healer and a psychic and was called the Black Nun. But apparently she was good and people were like, oh yeah, that's a black nun. She was dressed all in black and had this huge black crucifix and marched right up to the cage that Carol was in and shoved the crucifix towards Carol and accused her of making a deal with the devil and that she was a witch and she needed to get the demons cast out of her. Well, finally, after you know the lady got that whole spiel out, someone escorted her out of the court and the lawyers pushed for Carol to be let out of her cage And eventually, she was allowed to sit beside her lawyers. But outside the courtroom, that old lady was having a field day with the press. She said that she knew Carol and her mother were possessed by an 18th century witch. She learned this because the devil came to her in a dream and told her this. Mm -hmm. However, they were both innocent because they didn't realize that they were possessed, but they basically needed to be exercised. So Carol had to sit through the testimony of the families and the grandmother said that she knew it was Carol because she was the only stranger in the house and family couldn't do that to family, which I'm like, bitch, please, you must not watch Dateline. Truth. Then the Ricci mom, she was like, yeah, she was involved in burning down our house in the Italian Alps too. She went on to say that she knew that Carol was not happy at their house because she would write to her fiancé and tell him how miserable she was. You know, she hated the little boy, Emmanuel, all the things. So
0: I'm like, did you read her letters? Right. And And if you're reading her letters, uh, I can imagine that she was miserable if you're that type of person. And that's when Emmanuel, the boy,
1: the two-year-old, you know, said he was scared of Carol because Every time she would touch him, he burned, like his skin would burn. Now, this never came up before this whole ordeal. So I'm side-eyeing that little lying shit.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm like, come on now. Convenient.
1: Yeah. But anyway, the reachy mom, she went on to say that she had first laughed off the maid, you know, just being silly because she was repeatedly telling them about weird things with Carol. But now she regretted that she hadn't listened to her before. The maid said that objects would fly off the coffee tables, boilers would bubble, the electric meter would just spin like crazy when Carol was near, all the poltergeist things, you know? There were psychiatrists who testified that Carol was of sound mind, but they believed she did set the fires so she could return to her fiancé and not be on the island of Elba anymore, but now, you know, be back in Rome with him. And then there were fire experts and they were like, I've never seen this type of fire before. There's no way we can recreate it. It had to be supernatural kind of shit, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no hard evidence against her other than just witness testimony about her being evil and a witch. But there was someone in her corner, a previous nanny testified that she had left that family after being employed by them for only 15 days because they treated her very poorly and never fully accepted her. And I'm thinking that's because she was Scottish or that's like what she was implying. And then here comes another Scottish girl and then gets blamed for attempted murder and arson. Mm-hmm. Convenient. Mm-hmm. Also, it came out that the grandmother of the family was known to leave some cigarette butts that were still, you know, like smoldering around the house and usually like by a chair she was sitting in and all of that. And so the mom had warned her like, hey, you can't leave that around furniture and shit. But, you know, I mean, maybe she was the one to blame. And that's why she went so hard after Carol and was just like, she's a witch because that's what you do. Right. But I cannot believe this was in the 80s. Right. So the trial continued. And luckily, Carol was not found guilty of attempted murder. But she was found guilty on two counts of arson. The judge sentenced her to two and a half years, but since she had already been in there for 16 months, her sentence was suspended. But the damage was already done to her reputation and everything. So Carol returned home because her fiance had abandoned her. You know, she's in this country that she doesn't speak the language well, you know, all the things. So she returned home to Scotland. You know, at least she was with her family again, sans her piece of shit fiance. But Carol stayed out of the limelight as much as she could. However, she did publish a book some years later, like in the 90s, that gave her side of the story. And it's called Superstition, True Story of the Nanny They Called a Witch. Summing it up, she said, it might have been some kind of poltergeist activity, but she didn't understand what had happened and it wasn't by her own hands or anything. Like, I'm innocent, but if they say this could be supernatural, it might be, but it wasn't me. But that was the last time she really spoke of her time in Italy. She found love, like real love, got married, had three children. They now live in Yorkshire and Carol was interviewed in 2004 and gave this last public statement. What happened to me is something that never goes away. It was a dreadful ordeal. I have a happy life now, and I try not to think about the past. But people still talk about her, and they still claim that she was a witch. Now, the parapsychologist guy who was like, no, this was like pyrokinesis, he said it's because she was away from her fiance. You know, she was in this new place with rich, snooty fucking people, that obviously were hard to work for. Um, You know, she just had a lot of turmoil. And so if she was writing those letters and saying that she was, you know, whatever, she was probably like, "Uh, Marco lied to me. He said we were going to be together if I came to Rome and then was like, find your own way. I'm got to go to the military again, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of that could have been that emotional energy and all of that that calls the poltergeist activity. Or it could have all just been coincidence. But they were saying it can't be a coincidence because she was the only linking factor in the two cases. So what do you think? I mean, I think it's
0: just coincidence.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I feel like the rich people live in old houses, Mm -hmm. you know, and so their wiring probably needed to be updated. Also, like, the vacation one, if it's their vacation home, it probably really did
0: need to be updated because they're not there all the time. Right. Whatever. And meanwhile, this poor girl gets blamed for being a witch because of fucking faulty wiring and shit.
1: Yeah, yeah and then for the grandmother to have left cigarettes around exactly and sh-
0: that grandmother is not going to take blame for something they're going to blame it on this poor girl
1: uh-huh because she was quote unquote the help uh-huh it's so weird though that you had your story and it's like all circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. and it's like no 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 i feel wholeheartedly that they were guilty of yeah. this and then i have this it's circumstantial but not really to me. And I'm like, there's no way it was her. Yeah. Because they couldn't find a reason how the fire started. I feel like if it was her, like if she was like, he, 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 I'm a pyromaniac and you know, I'm going to get these people back. You would have found some kind of accelerant, but they didn't, they couldn't recreate it. But yeah, when I was listening to yours, I was like, Oh, they're guilty, and but I'm like, but my girl literally is about the same, and I'm like, not guilty. Yeah, I, I don't. Yes, same. But I think it's because they called her a witch, and like, so it really was like a witch trial. But she wasn't on trial for being a witch. You know, they didn't say we're going to charge you as being a witch. You're just a witch. Who tried to murder a child and played with fire.
0: It's so scary though, being in another country, not being fluent in the language, and then being in trouble. Yeah. When we were on the cruise, because I swear one day I'm gonna stop talking about it, but even when we were on the cruise and you know, people like go out on excursions on their own, they'll just be like, take a taxi somewhere or like rent a car and just drive around an island, and I'm like fuck that. What if somebody hits you while you're driving this car you've rented? What if you get stuck, you get lost, you get stuck in traffic or whatever, you miss the boat? Like, what if someone's like, yeah, I'll take you in this taxi that's not really a taxi, you know? Yeah. Like, fuck that. One, I'm not trusting of anyone. Even in the U.S., though, like we've talked about before, like, always pretend like you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll be there in a minute or whatever. Like, pretend like you're on the phone or do call someone and say, like me call you and be like yeah I'm on my way I'm in the taxi right now I'll be there and blah 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 so that right. they know somebody's or they think that somebody's waiting on you that kind of thing yeah because there's bad people everywhere
1: 100 percent. there's good
0: people everywhere too but when you put your life in somebody else's hands it's yeah. scary definitely she's innocent <laughs> my people definitely guilty yeah Well, y'all let us know what you think. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't get get scared.